Hey everyone, welcome to Drop the Mic on Instagram Live. It's actually a new one. It should be fun. I'm very excited about uh, the conversation we're going to have today. And he is here, and I'm going to let him into the room, of course. There he is, Brian Ralston. Can you hear me? There he is. Yeah. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sorry I, I wasn't able to join you all in Brooklyn, but. Oh, yeah. I was kind of disappointed because I was like, man, this soundtrack is killer. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I just, I'm going to play a few bars for, for people who um, haven't heard this. Uh, I was, I'm a big fan of um, a good soundtrack, especially a score that um, really captures the essence of a film. And I think this was, this was one of the reasons why I was wishing you were, had been in Brooklyn with us, because I was just like, man, that's, I mean, bow down, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Just amazing. Um, you know, the score doesn't always get a chance to be a character, and I and I think in this film it it actually was allowed to kind of be a character, and you know this what Chris has done is kind of what we call world building. It's we make our own rules. There's a whole world there, and we get to kind of do it however we want. And so in this film, unlike some films with their scores, are trying to be. Um, very unassuming and yet supporting what's going on this is not only supporting what's going on but it's a character in and of itself and it's kind of commenting on the various aspects of the scenes it's um it, it makes me kind of think of like uh westerns and how in the like the early westerns especially like you know the clint eastwood you know the uh westerns how the the the, the the music was vital. It, it was it was this other ominous character that you never saw on the screen, and really, like I feel like if you take the music away, if you strip the music away, it just it, it just becomes like this flat surface. Um, <laughs> that is that is true. We've we've tried scenes without it, and and it's it's. <laughs> It, it takes on a, a whole new life that's probably not what we want. Yeah, I imagine. Um, when, when did you get started com um, composing? On this project or just in general? In, in general, because I feel like I want to give people a little bit of, like a background of your background to let them know like just where you're, how you flow. If I want to be honest about it, I've been writing music ever since I was a kid, but but professionally, um, certainly after college, I, I actually have a science degree. I actually, I've been a musician all my life. I've been a trumpet player all my life. I've been a piano player all my life. You know, I took lessons growing up um, on both instruments. Um, performed throughout college, but thought I, at one point I wanted to go to med school. So wow. I, I finished that five-year biochemistry degree. I actually worked for a neurologist for many years. I did, I did, I did the whole science thing. Uh, for many, many years. Um, 
but yet I just had one of those epiphanies, like, why aren't I, why aren't I going into this passion that I love? And that is music and specifically film music. I really love it. So, you know, I would, when I was a kid, I would always write things for myself. I would rescore scenes, you know, press play on the VHS player and, and, and write my own version of something to myself. Um, right. And so I was doing all this throughout college, um, even high school and college. Um, but they were just me and my keyboard, you know, me and my little uh, rolling keyboard or whatever it was. <laughs> and so uh, it was really in college when I started um, getting serious about life, career path and everything else. And what am I really going to do? And it, it's, you know, I finished my science degree, but even finishing that degree probably led me to even more definitively decide that's not what I wanted to do with my career. And so oh. I went back into music. Now I'd always been performing music. I didn't just start from scratch. I've been, it had been a major part of my life since I was a kid. But yeah. if you want to go to grad school music and you want to study it, um, which I did, then I had to kind of start over. So my sixth year of college, I went back into uh, freshman level theory because I knew it, but you had to take the coursework for it and everything else. And then I, I studied music formally for about three years. And then I ultimately went to grad school at USC in their film scoring mm. program, um, which was my first music formal education. Um, mm. And that, you know, and that was purely a focus on film music and media music and everything else. And then I've just been doing this ever since. And it is a business of relationships and one job mm. leads to the next, of course. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's where I've been for the last, 20 years is just following those relationships and those paths and those opportunities. Wow. I mean, that's a, you, well, it wasn't direct path, but you got where you were meant to be. <laughs> and um, speaking of relationships, how, where did the, where did you connect with Chris Chan Lee? So I met Chris through another filmmaker friend, uh, Dax Phelan. Chris, uh, you know, as a phenomenal writer, director, editor himself, also edits for other filmmakers and other directors out there. And he was the editor on Dax Phelan's film Jasmine, uh, which got picked up by Indican Pictures a few years ago. And um, so I met Chris through that process. I didn't work on Jasmine. I, I kind of met Dax in the middle of that process. And um, you know, we became friends, but, um, I just in hanging out with Dax throughout then, I also got to hang out with Chris on the side too, because Chris was always there at Dax's events and, and get togethers mm -hmm. and stuff. So Chris had told me a long time ago, he was working on this project, this passion project of his, and, um, he wanted to, you know, talk with me when the time was right. And we just kept that conversation going. Um, for probably well over a year uh, hmm. until he was finally ready to go shoot it and go make it. And then, um, and then we talked about this project specifically. So, so it's my first time working with Chris, but I had known him for a few years pr prior to that. Mm. And so this, this film is, is, um, is, is kind of like a, you know, there's, there's a Lynchian, you know, like atmosphere to it. Is this something that you had done before? Were you familiar with doing this type of 
um, score before? I this is actually a departure for me. Um, oh, a lot okay. of my, you know, I am a melody person. I like writing themes. I like having melodies. I I am classically trained, so the 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 sound palette of the orchestra is kind of what first comes to my head normally. Having said that, anytime you have a film, which I mentioned before, it's world building, you have an opportunity right. to kind of like the musical opportunities there are immense because you can pull from almost anything. You can create anything you want. And that's exciting to me. Um, I, you know, this, while the film is not a horror movie, the the music has a very dark, could probably work in a horror film, you know, genre as well. It is, it is, it is a more atmospheric, more sound design, texture i certainly have classical elements in there i certainly have a melody in there i certainly you know we we had some phenomenal soloists play on the score and on viola and clarinet bass clarinet and but um this was a lot more about creating our own sound and our own textures and even using Mm. a lot of unique instruments that are not typical western orchestra instruments um and that was a departure for me and that is something i had not done before which which I, you know, I, I think is great because it allows you to do something new for me, but in my own way, which hopefully is is unique to the audience when they hear it. So we're not just trying to copy another film or another temp or to be like. Yeah, there's else no. I, 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 you, I would say you have hit the nail on the head with that because this was truly a unique piece like i'm i don't recall hearing anything frankly really creepy like i like this was i feel like this 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 could have had it could have had its own like it could just been a black screen playing this music and i would have been creeped out dude i'm like (laughs) like yeah i'm not i i brought a prop for you today oh Uh, no this is one of the instruments that got played oh what is that so this is called it's by a company called leaf audio called a microphonic sound box and basically you know it's a little wooden box i mean Mm. you know it's got springs and coils and sandpaper and there's a little kalimba that i can tune here if i wanted to um and this you know when you bow metal for example the vibrations there's microphones inside here and i can Mm. plug this in and run it through a guitar amp like you would a guitar and then further process that sound with distortion amps and you know echoes and reverbs and everything else and a lot of the sound textures you hear in this film score are not just me picking out some synthesizer preset and playing the note like it's actually organically created on a device like this and a couple other things that we did so if you bow this with a violin bow and you record that and then maybe reverse the audio and then stretch it <laughs> and then layer it, do weird things to it. That creates the, the sounds, uh, kind of the bed of sounds that the score sits on top of in this movie. Oh. There's, a, there's another uh, instrument we use, which was um, called a pianotron, which is basically an upright piano, but you take it out of the box. You take it, it's just the, the harp sounding board inside with all the strings. You take off the piano keys and you play it like a percussion instrument. So you can bow it and knock it and string it and pound it with mallets huh. and do all the weird things. And you let it sit there for years and years and years and get out of tune as well. And that gives it character and gives it, you know, there's certainly tonality to it because of the strings. But so we actually recorded our own little sample library of sounds off of a pianotron. Um, huh. 
we used we used a famous pianotron actually uh emma richards who is a uh, now passed away a uh, per famous percussionist in los angeles um this was his pianotron that he had donated to a percussion rental place in la and you can now rent this and use it on you know film scores and other session recording work if you want to and he used this on planet the original planet of the apes score in the 1970s like no. this, this this pianotron has a lot of history and this is the same pianotron that we use in this and so in, including this microphonic sound box the pianotron every, like we recorded a lot of different textures and sounds and me bowing strings and used that as a foundation to create the, our score and then of course wow. there's a viola and there's clarinet and there's other conventional instruments in there um but that that was the foundation so there's a lot of organic stuff in this score even though there is some electronic too of course but hmm. how, how do you like so how much how much of the um film do you need to kind of start to work with like all, or, or, <laughs> all of it i i mean we get the film edited um, the edit might still be changing, of course, but we get an early edit of the film. And, you know, film scoring, there's no one right way to do it, of course. Um, but in my opinion, the best way to write a score is to write it to picture because the picture mm -hmm. is dictating what the music needs to be. Um, and so I am really scoring. I might come up with a theme or an idea or a texture I want to use, but out of the context of the film, it may or may not work. It may be a main featured focus, or it may just be a little thing I use. Until I get the scenes and really map out with Chris, the director, having meetings, talking about where music should start, where it should stop, theme should start here, I want it to come out here, I want it to build here. Until we have those discussions to picture, then you know I don't really have a roadmap of what I'm composing into. Now, once we, once we develop that roadmap, then I can sit there with the scenes and I can actually write to picture. And I think, in my opinion, that's what makes a score most effective. And it's also what makes what we do very unique than writing music for an album. That's just for the right. sake of music. I mean, we, you can license a piece of music and music edit that in to a scene and it can still be effective. It can still be used like underscore, but there's nothing like having you know, music composed directly to that scene to enhance or to comment on or whatever that scene is supposed to do. And, and our music in, in many opportunities was almost commenting on something that you wouldn't see in the movie. You know, it, it was truly being its own character where there might be a conversation going on here, but the music is, you know, foreshadowing some other thing that's happening. So. Mm. What, what was was there anything particularly difficult about scoring any any of this um i i think the most difficult thing about a a, a score that has a vast sound palette like this is that there are a million different plugins or effects or processes i could do to get whatever sound i want to get and at some point you just have to decide that's what it's going to be and move on. You could tinker for months on trying to get the right thing. And I might have an idea in my head of what I want, but I can't just quite get right. that out of what I'm doing. And I could tinker and I could, and uh, you know, days have gone by and I haven't made any progress. So in a way, I, I, I think 
developing the palette of what this sound is going to be, um, certainly having our solo viola and solo clarinets kind of help narrow down some like thematic elements or instrumental elements that we're going to keep going back to. Um, that certainly helps because I know what a clarinet sounds like. I know what a viola sounds like, right? But I don't know what this thing is going to sound like when I put it through umpteen million different guitar effects and try to get something scary out of it, right? So I, I that right. that to me is one of the hardest things in a score like this. Mm. Mm. But the but the tone, I mean, the you know, Chris certainly knows what he wants as a director. So getting the tone right, right and getting like that's just the conversation and communication and getting on the right page with each other. And mm. um and that's that's a pretty, I think, straightforward process. And even then we might we might change direction. We might think it's one thing and after four versions of that cue we decide to go in a different direction and that's fine too. So um, don't think everything we did was right the first time we did it, you know. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, Mike, how many iterations, you know, were there before you kind of came to where you needed to be, you know? I, it varied. There are some scenes where the very first thing I wrote is what he loved and got approved. Oh, wow. And there are other scenes that we did four or five different versions of. And he's like, you know, can this be a little more introspective? Can this be a little more... Um, like he's searching for something and not, not scary. Can this be a little, you know, and we would just keep refining it down. So it really depends. It's, there was not one, one way that it went for sure. So I got a question. I, I, I don't think I've ever asked this of a composer and I think I've always kind of wanted to just this cause I'm curious, but does your like or dislike of the film uh, change how you approach whether you even do the project or does it change how you do the project? Um, sure. I mean, I, I'm probably not going to say yes to something that I'm not responding to in some way that it doesn't resonate with me or that I don't think I could bring anything to it um, of, of to make it better or, or value. Yeah. So, right, right. so I, cer I certainly... You know, it is normal for a composer to want to, well, let me see what you got and kind of evaluate it just like they're evaluating us of whether they feel we can do this or not. So, um, so yeah, if I say yes to it, it's, it's because I see something there that I certainly want to be a part of um, and feel like I can contribute and, and, and benefit the project. So, um mm. So, you know, having, having said that, once I've committed to it, you, you, you've got me, you've got a hundred percent of me and, and I'm just, I'm going to be on the team and I'm going to try to figure out what the problems are and what needs to be solved. So, um, what, what, gonna... what do you, what do you think, um, uh, what, what can film, like as a filmmaker, what, what can filmmakers do to make it easier on you as, or to help the composer? Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I teach in the film scoring program at UCLA, and this is a, a an ongoing question that I'm that I'm asked <laughs> from both sides of the aisle, from the, comp the composer side and the filmmaker side, all the time. Um, so these are just my thoughts. Um, you know, everyone will have their own thoughts on it, but uh, I will say first and foremost, uh, filmmakers finding their composers. Um, you will you will not hear the score to your film in someone's demo. Um, hmm. I, I think that's probably one of the worst 
ways, to be honest, to audition somebody that might you might want to work with. Um, unfortunately, I I think working with a, a collaborator as closely as a composer needs to be. Um, you just have to figure out if you like the person. Can you communicate with the person? Can you can you be in a room with this person for months and months at a time and and figure <laughs> things out? Yeah. You certainly have to like their music, but. Just because they haven't written something in the style you want doesn't mean they can't do it. I mean, that's the beauty of film scoring is that every film is different and everything on their demo, if it's from another project, was written for another director, for another need that was not your film. And and if they did create something unique as a pitch for your project, maybe you asked them to create a, a demo, whatever, they did not have the benefit of spotting sessions and meetings and working together and refining it two, three, 20 times, 30 times with you to get it right. And that's the process you need to audition is, is that composer going to be the one that rewrites it 20 times for you? Or are they going to be the one after the second time and sits there and goes, no, no, it's good. It's good. I'm not going to do it again. I can't be, you know, like there's an attitude thing there that I think is transcends the music. Right. That's working with a collaborator. So, you know, knowing Chris ahead of time, um, hanging with Chris, being able to talk with Chris, you know, knowing th that personality was probably the best audition ever because we mm. got to know each other and know that this is someone that I can work with on both on both sides. Um, having the other aspect of your question, I, you know, I think, I think communication is huge. Um, a lot of filmmakers don't, know how to communicate in the language of music and that's fine because you're not a musician or you're not necessarily a musician some are but i always tell directors direct me like you would an actor mm. so you know if you're on an actor on set with an actor on set you're going to be telling them how to um you know what is their motivation i want you to play it like this i want you to pretend you know the love of your life just died and you're and you're trying to hold back tears. That's how I want you to read the scene. And you, you give motivations, you kind of steer them back, but you also let that actor bring a little something to it that maybe you didn't think of. Direct your composer like you direct your actor. Talk about emotion, talk about tonality, talk about color. You know, Let the composer perhaps go into their bag of tricks and pick the instrument or pick the right tone. Certainly react to it when it's not landing to your ears like you want but having said that um direct them like you would an actor they are another character in your film and ultimately i think that will get you a lot closer to success with the score and then hopefully mm. you found or hired someone who is used to the filmmaking process and the and what i mean by that is the collaborative process is truly you know it's not my score it's right. chris and Chris and my score. It's it's our score, right? It's it right. is a collaboration, and and people have to understand in collaborative arts, you're you're going to redo it. You can't be precious about your music. Um, it's not my time to write a symphony. It, it's my time to you know support the film and give it what it needs. So, um, and there's there's a lot of composers that aren't good at that part, to be honest. So. Mm. Mm. Wow. Uh, hey everyone, uh, just. Um to reset everything. I am Darren Jenkins. This is Drop the Mic on Instagram Live. And we are talking to uh, Brian Ralston, who is composer for the film, the very, very award-winning film, Silent River, directed by Chris Chan Lee. And um, for those of you who are in the on the right coast and the left coast, they, they'll be 
screening on both coasts coming up real soon they'll be in new york uh on uh august 4th and they will be in north hollywood on august 7th if you want information feel free to reach out to me i can drop it in the line but um if you're going to be in new york um they'll be at the uh 45th annual asian american international film festival on august 4th at 8 15 tickets are available you can grab them currently are, will you be in new york at all uh, for for that i will not be in new york but i will be in the north hollywood screening so nice we, our family actually planned a trip up to napa valley for my um mother-in-law's birthday and it's literally like the third and the fourth and that and, and then i drive back for the for august 7th screening so um, <laughs> um chris phil yeah chris will be there that'll be yeah yeah so look forward to seeing them again. Um, and um, what, you know, from a genre perspective, what, what do you, is there a, a genre that you would consider difficult or more difficult to, to kind of um, write for, or it, it kind of varies? I, Everyone will have a different answer based on whether I think comedy is pretty hard to write for. Um, mm, usually, that's the best, usually the best comedies are probably they're scored um, serious. They're not necessarily, mm. you know, if you score a comedy where you're hitting everything like comedy, it starts to sound like a Mickey Mouse cartoon. And so <laughs> usually the comedy, you know, if like I, I think back to the, you know, the airplane movies and, and, and uh, Zucker movies and all that other stuff and the scoring comedy. If you listen to the scores for those comedies, like the Elmer Bernstein scores, like they're very serious. You know, this is this is like a serious movie, very happy drama, whatever, if you just listen to the music. But the comedy comes through in the delivery and everything else. And I, I think it's the same with an actor. I think comedy is one of the hardest things for an actor to do. Um, yeah. The timing of that is 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 just really hard to get that right. And musically, it could be the same thing. You know, composers in comedy tend to kind of go back to the same old, you know, pizzicato strings, little plucky strings. And sometimes they <laughs> use jazz or big band or sometimes they, you know, and it's, it's, it's really hard to create something new in comedy. Um, you know, I, I could do lush melodies and scary stuff and even heroic stuff. I'm a trumpet player, so I like the brass and everything. I, I can do that all day long. Um, comedy would probably uh be a challenge to me but a welcome challenge because again every film is different that's one of the things i love about this business is how could how would i do comedy in my own way you know? mm -hmm. uh we have a question in the comments can we watch this anywhere yet actually you can watch it two places currently you can come to New York if you're in New York, and you can see it at the Asian American International Film Festival, which will be on August 4th at 8.15. Or if you're in uh, Los Angeles area, North Hollywood area, you can go to the closing night of the greater of the uh, 22nd the valley film festival which will be i believe it's 6 30 p.m at uh um it's at the seven yeah yeah seven so and that's a that's a great festival so you should if you're in, if you're out on the west coast definitely take a chance and good this is a film you definitely i recommend seeing it in the in the theaters 
if you Absolutely. if you can. Absolutely, Spe I, especially a, for the an, score. Yeah. We have a great surround sound mix that was done by uh, a sound designer, Eric Jolly, and um, both of these screenings will play off of a DCP and a real big, you know, oh. live theater. And so that that Dolby Digital surround sound mix and everything is sounds amazing. It's the way it was meant to be seen and heard, and um, and both places will be. You know, I mean, people have access to surround sound now at home when they when this eventually gets out there on you know their Apple TVs or whatever, but. Um, yep. To see it this way, it it will sound great. I promise. You. I, I tell you that was that was one thing I noticed about the um, about the score too. Like, it's incredibly detailed. It, it felt like I was listening to something, and it, it felt like the audio version of an IMAX movie. Like just <laughs> like the, the just these little nuances that you put into some of the scenes where you're plink 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 and i'm just like that is so cool like i there's a it really adds to the scene it adds texture to to the scene in a in a way that like it's almost like if i was an actor i don't i almost would want them to play this while i'm acting the scene so i could kind of use some of that energy you know to kind of sure you know uh just it's just such a wonderful um and, and I, I was looking at some of the details you put in for your bio there you there are some you i mean the 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 people you use for this they're not small potatoes they're like some no. pretty heavy hitters in the in, in film yeah, I mean, Chris, Chris really trusted me, and we did some things on the score on this that ind independent films don't normally have. Yeah, so I, I, I told him, you know, I really wanted to get certain people to play on the score. I wanted to get some amazing soloists. We did not have the money to do a full-on live orchestra. This right. is still an independent film budget here, but I'm like, right. we can, we can create a lot of this stuff on our own here and layer it with some amazing soloists and it will bring it will bring that that score to life you know i i always say that the score is not it's not the notes i write it's it's right. what happens between the notes it's what you do with those mm -hmm. notes and and ultimately that goes back to the musicians performing it and and the the expression and the musicality that they give it with the 10 20 30 years of professionalism on their instrument right and the additive effect of all of that in performing a score, that's what makes the score emotional. That's what makes it human, mm. right? That's, make, yeah. that's what makes us cry or react to it or get scared or whatever. And yep. so long story short, we, I convinced him. We did this on, on a, a union contract in Los Angeles. So it allowed us to get the musicians that play on Hollywood scores all the time. I mean, we have, you know, Andrew Duckles and Phil O'Connor, you know, these are guys that have played on, you know, Star Wars movies and The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and, you know, Despicable Me and all these other Aquaman. Like, they, they, are, yeah. they are musicians that are regularly playing on movie scores all the time, and they right. are now the soloists on our little independent movie, and that's awesome, right? And so yeah. it just it just brings a whole other level to the score um, that a lot of films at this at this stage yeah. of independent yeah. filmmaking don't don't have and don't invest in so yeah you know, there's an awful yeah. lot of this film that was scrapped together and done 
non-union and and some of that is because chris just does it himself he does so much himself <laughs> uh but you know it, it's a sag movie and it's an afm movie and mm. and that's you know the actors and the music and the music in this in this it's like we were casting musicians you know they were they were an integral part of of the cast because music was a character i i mean i'm looking at phil o'connor Despicable Me, War of the Worlds, uh, on clarinet, bass clarinet, Andrew Duckles, Top Gun Maverick, Avengers Endgame. On vi- I mean, come on, man. You guys could have just dro- dropped the mic and walked off the stage right there. I mean, <laughs> seriously, yep. that's amazing that like a, in a like a film with that budget was able to do what they uh, what you did. And you know, hats off. I mean, such an amazing. Um, uh, production of like top to bottom and um, especially for a film like this like this kind of g- genre like this the kind of film with this kind of energy you really needed a special soundtrack to kind of it almost reminds me of the work that was done on get out and in the you know oh, because wow. thank you you know the i think without a, a soundtrack without a score like that it it really helps to kind of boost the, the 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 film noirness of of the film. You know, it had this film noir, had this western feel to it. It, it was it had this sci-fi feel to it. Very difficult um, task for you to have pulled off, but you did pretty successfully. So, thank you, Mike. thank you. It, it's an honor, Michael Abel's with with get out and um and now nope coming out like his stuff is amazing and 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 unique and there's there's almost not a more unique voice uh musically out there right now and that's it's thank you i appreciate that absolutely uh so what's next for you what do you what do you uh are you working on anything that you can tell us about are you doing anything coming up i actually have another film that's on the festival circuit right now almost concurrently um it's it's towards the end of it like like we are um it's called him and her it's directed by ice morozik it is a a romantic uh drama i don't want to say comedy um although there's a couple of funny scenes um that uh should come out that already had a small theatrical this last december in los angeles um i it won best picture at the pasadena international film festival um just last month and um, it will probably be out on the digital platforms because that's where everything goes these days, unless you're an Avengers yep. movie. Um, it'll yep. probably be out on the digital platforms uh, probably next year, early next year. So um, that that score is very different. That has is like couldn't be further from the from what this score is trying to do. Um, although that film is is a pretty unique film. I don't I don't want to. Uh, I will, I will give you the setup that the two actors in that movie shot this movie together, are in scenes together, literally in the room together, and they did not meet each other until three years after they shot the movie. They didn't know the name. They didn't know what the other person looked like. They didn't know anything about the movie. Um, and wow. they had, they had this, this conversation, which is rather unique, uh, that led to an experience um, perhaps a soulmate like experience um but they decided to not see each other and it's actually based on a true story um and 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 the film is 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 a 
you know, it takes about 30 minutes to get into it. And you're like, where is this going? Why haven't I seen their faces yet? What, what, what is this doing? And then by the middle of it, you get hooked. And then by the end of it, you're crying and you're rooting for them and everything else. And so um, it is, it is a very uh, unique film. And I'm also glad to be part of that. It's called him and her, and it will be coming out soon as well. And then I just, wow. you know, I have, I have about two or three other director friends who are all in various stages of, of getting their next projects funded. So it would be a little premature to talk about them, but there is, there is exciting stuff on the horizon. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I produce as well as compose. I'm starting to get into oh. that too. And uh, one of the short films we did uh, a couple of years ago called is someone there, which is a kind of a horror thriller um, is we, we have the feature version of that script coming out and we're, we're trying to work on that one. Um, I'm hoping within the next, year and a half or so that one will go uh probably shooting overseas so uh with another director a friend of mine uh tim garrick so but that one i i would be producing on in some capacity so uh my role uh would be expanded i guess you can say Hmm. um so well that's I'm glad you're I'm so I'm glad you're a bit busy which is always good trying <laughs> trying, trying. <laughs> you know one thing I will say before we go is I am so jealous of you what is is that a C3PO behind me behind <laughs> I mean yes. come on that is so cool well and you probably you don't see you can get this without falling off but my millennium falls <gasps> table. oh no you didn't <laughs> oh no so, you did not yeah wow so, okay this this is my creative space this is where you know every every t- where i look i have to be inspired by something so um one, one of my favorite pastimes is building legos um of course that's not a lego that's actually a little metal uh sideshow wet figure but um, someone said show them the saber you have a you have a lightsaber oh. I have lightsabers. I have I have Harry Potter wands. I have I have um, uh, Saturn V rockets out of Legos. I've got like oh my god, man! You Gans- make me look Gans- like Gans- a oh my god! He's got the sword. <laughs> I said I'm, I'm like so sad. Guitar. All I have is like a is a couple of Spider-Man bobbleheads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, are, yeah, you, are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, yes. Or sci-fi, so than, maybe? Probably more so than Star Trek, but I, I am a Star Wars fan, and um, I've got quite a few of them, actually. I've, you know, in my, I have a vocal booth where we record stuff in uh, after it's been around in oh. there, and if you can oh, see that's on so the cool. wall, you can see on the wall is there's a lightsaber there, and oh wow, a, I have Harry a lightsaber Potter somewhere in my room. <laughs> So, yeah. so it's uh, like I said, it's fun to to look around and be inspired by stuff when you when you have absolutely that is that is so cool. I'm highly jealous of the table. Oh. <laughs> that it makes you know, me I so forever for that table. I I I when I built it, I didn't build it until I knew I had a table for it, and then I found the table, and I put Phillips Hue lights around the inside of it. To, to do the uh, down lighting on it mm. and then that's that's where it gets displayed and and it's it's great mr chris chan lee is laughing at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yes, he does. He's been in this room many a time. Yes. And I think, yeah. I think we're going to record the uh, commentary tracks in this room, too, as everybody sits back on the sofa and watches. the. So everybody will get the benefit of that, too. <laughs> well, this was fun, dude. I'm so glad to finally get to talk to you about your amazing work. And it was great to talk with you. Thank you so much. This, um, you're welcome to join me on a full episode at some point because um, I probably still have. Plus, I, I got to still find out where you got the table, man, the table. <laughs> um, <laughs> but thank you so much for, for taking time and talking to me. Um, and I, I, I don't think I'm going to be in um, L.A. at the time, but if I am, I definitely want to make sure we connect. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on, and you've been so supportive of our film, and and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you again. We, you know, we are going to work on a soundtrack for this movie. Oh, so, so about when the when the commercial release happens in the hopefully not so distant future, um, we will within that window of time we're going to have a, a soundtrack. It'll probably end up being digital these days because no one even right. has a CD player anymore. Um, right. And I'm, I really want to try something unique. I want to take the surround sound mix that we have of the score and try to do a Dolby Atmos, like iTunes release of it or something. I think Ooh. that would be really cool listening experience. And, you know, yeah. if you didn't have the equipment, it would just be stereo. But if you had like the AirPods and the spatial audio equipment, it would kind of give you a surround feel to the score too. So um, I'm actually researching that right now and um, hopefully we can make that happen. Oh, that would be cool. I, I, I always, I actually thought this this movie would look really cool in in like virtual or three six three sixty, you know, with like this immersive music, you know, an immersive experience to it. I think I think filmmaking and storytelling are going that way. I mean, especially thanks to the video game world. But it it opens up a can of worms because as for cinematography and like what Norbert did, like. His his choice of how to frame a shot is 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 on purpose to to guide your eye to guide the story being told. When you can no longer control that, right, right, and there could be a story going on here, but someone could be virtually Back looking there. all around. Then you have to audio, worry about the audio cues and, and audio yeah. music becomes much more important to direct attention. Right, and and it's a it's a whole another can of worms. Um, that I don't think we've we've really figured out yet, and and the other yeah. aspect is is music, and this gets in Amsonics, but like, you know, do you want the music to play the same no matter which way you turn your head, or do you want the music to also turn perspective as you turn your head? Because film score is already kind of a, a foreign thing, and when you get put into right. a, a three dimensional world with this foreign thing it doesn't feel like a piece of art anymore it feels immersive and then that starts to feel weird and it gets disorienting so right um, right I, you know there's I, a few I, things that still have to be worked out exactly and it, it you know and they will get worked out and it'll be interesting and there there have been a few little feature film things done like video games um right. that are that are trying to do that for sure um, maybe maybe the answer is um not only length you know considering the length of the content but also the length of the scenes you know mm -hmm. of within you know to 
shrink down the action a little bit. It, it's almost almost like um, almost in in a way almost like audio, like the old style audio um, radio shows, where you know the the audio was the guide to what was about to happen versus you know when you add a picture to it then obviously your eyes automatically making that the attention thing yeah um you may have to flip it on its head almost in, in three in, in an immersive experience yeah so i don't know i'm not i'm not smart enough to figure it all out but yeah <laughs> um brian thank you so much for being on 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 Instagram live with us. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully connecting with you down the road and Absolutely. you're welcome to come back to my show anytime you like. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and efforts and support. It's, it's awesome. Thanks for inviting me. And everybody make sure you are out there getting your tickets for August 4th at the Asian Amer the Asian American International Film Festival, which is Thursday, August 4th, this opening night screening, 815 at the Asia Society in New York City. Tickets are available right now, um, or you can find um, Silent River on Instagram, on Facebook, at Silent River, the movie. Um, and also, if you're in the West Coast, which a lot of people are, um, they are playing at the Valley Film Festival on the 7th at 6.30, which is a Sunday uh, closing night. Should be a great experience. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. Take care, everybody.